Coming to you not exactly live from... The Cliffs of Insanity! Where life is an adventure. And if adventure has a podcast, it must be Indiana Jim. You have chosen wisely. Don't tell me you've never heard of me. I'll explain. And I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. Have you ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Yes. Morons. You, boy, are arrogant, hot-tempered, entirely too bold. I like that. Reminds me of me. I don't believe I've seen such a display of courage, skill, nerve, grace, and stupidity. And now, that international man of mystery, that intrepid arch-geekologist, Indiana Jim. I have entertained in all the courts of Europe and speak a ready wit in their every tongue. I told you I was famous. Do you know how to tell that you're not a Star Wars fan? You are in the greatest era of Star Wars content ever fathomed, and all you can do is find stuff to complain about. So today I'm talking about fandom, and not just Star Wars fandom, though there is a heavy emphasis on the Star Wars on this show, but fandom in general. And I hesitate even using the word fandom because there are a lot of people out there in internet land who pretend to be a fan. They just aren't. I mean, they are fanatical, but not in a good way. And I'm not talking about you. You who have a good faith criticism. Like, like any good discussion of film and story. If you have a good faith criticism of The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi or Solo. And if you are one of those people who you're not so self-assured that you think your opinion is always right. That you're willing to be convinced. Um, I, I'm willing to be convinced that there are weaknesses and strengths and, and everything else. As long as if you present a criticism and you're presented with a counter-argument, that you're open to having your mind changed. That that's, that's how human beings operate. So I'm, I'm not talking about you. I can have a discussion with you, and I would love to have a discussion with you. If you think The Force Awakens is just a rehash of Star Wars, then I answer that, of course, it contains elements of the entirety of the original trilogy because it's providing an in-universe commentary on how we view our heroes and our legends and the stories and what they mean to us and how history repeats itself because history does repeat itself. If you don't like what The Last Jedi did with Luke's character, that's fine. I can tell you I didn't at first. And then I realized Rey didn't like what she saw in Luke and we, the audience, are supposed to feel what Rey feels. And for a lot of us, it was an actual, real, visceral feeling. That's why it was so genius. See, we are supposed to see things from the protagonist's viewpoint. Examples like that, we can have discussions in good faith. Now, I'm talking about these fandom menace people, these internet trolls who, for some reason, feeling emotionally or politically threatened, assert what power they can through the ability to verbally attack and bully those who make the product and those who appreciate the product. I and mean, it's actually pretty ironic that they think they're doing something good here, but they actually admit they are a menace. The more I watch the criticism, 
you know, I'm 42 years old, so I've been around a while, not nearly as long as some people, but I'm, I've been around a while as far as fandom is concerned. And it looks exactly like prequel era criticism. Exactly. Only the internet is far more ubiquitous in this time period. It's exactly the same. Think about it. Before anyone called Ryan Johnson, Ruin Johnson, and nothing says these people are operating on the emotional level of junior high, nothing says it more than that, <laughs> that you would call him Ruin Johnson. Oh, you're so clever. Look, George Lucas ruined ruined Star Wars decades before Ryan did. There was no Twitter in 1999, but back then we had message boards and forums and everyone was talking about, not everyone, but a lot of people, the loudest voices, the most negative voices, were talking about how George Lucas tarnished Star Wars with The Phantom Menace, how he ruined their childhood by making anything less than what they considered to be a masterpiece because back then, the original trilogy, overall, all three films, yes, Return of the Jedi had its critics, but overall, the trilogy was considered a masterpiece of filmmaking, and it still is. <clears throat> and what kind of Star Wars title was The Phantom Menace anyway? There were, there were thousands of threads on how bad they thought this title was, and no one had even seen the film. Daisy Ridley and Kelly Matru can't even Daisy Ridley and Kelly Marie Tran, who were harassed off of social media, might as well have been Jake Lloyd and Ahmed Best harassed out of the convention scene and to the point of contemplating jumping off a bridge. I mean, Ahmed Best has been very open recently about what state he was after he did an amazing thing, something that had never been done in a major blockbuster film release before to that quality. It's the same stuff, just a different decade. A common question asked back then was, well, why didn't George have someone else direct Star Wars movies? So by now, everyone must know that it literally does not make a difference. Whether it was George and his disinterest in directing actors, or let's take J.J. Abrams and his verified ability to make a blockbuster, to make a good product. Not without strengths and weaknesses, but it's good. It makes money. And well, take Ryan Johnson. He has a deep understanding of myth and story. There are so many layers to The Last Jedi, if you would pay attention, that, that it's, it's remarkable. Or let's take flipping Oscar winner Ron Howard. It literally doesn't matter who makes a Star Wars film. People begged for Ron Howard to be making a prequel movie back in the day. George even offered Ron Howard the opportunity to direct The Phantom Menace, and he didn't take it. It, from from a, a no-name like Ryan Johnson to a blockbuster guy like J.J. Abrams to an Oscar verified Oscar winner Ron, uh, and Ron Howard, it doesn't matter who directs a Star Wars film. It doesn't matter who writes it. It doesn't matter who makes it. These immature pseudo-fans will whine about it. The only one they like is Rogue One, and that's because Darth Vader is disgustingly violent. I mean, look, I'm wearing a Darth Vader t-shirt, but if the best thing you got out of Rogue One was, oh, Darth Vader got to kill people with lightsaber, you're the wrong kind of fan. I'm sorry, but that, that is not the reason to like Rogue One. It's such a deep and good story. And the, the Vader fan service was just tacked on at the end just because it's cool. And that's a lot of people. I don't, not everybody who likes Rogue One thinks this way. So every time I watch like The Phantom Menace, I just adore it. 
The way it's shot is beautiful. The score is one of John Williams' best. The pacing is just perfect. And yeah, the acting is not 100% perfect, okay? <clears throat> a lot of the a lot of the the delivery, the problem with the delivery is because a lot of the lines, most of the lines were recorded in ADR. They were recorded after the filming. Um and so it doesn't quite have the same sync that it should have, but the acting is heartfelt. It's also a testament to a simpler time when people still believed that George was a creative genius and could do no wrong when people just plain loved Star Wars and George's genius just went right over people's heads. I mean, what he was trying to accomplish with Jar Jar Banks, I mean, most people don't even know who Buster Keaton was. I mean, I even have to look it up to know who Buster Keaton is, but or was. A lot of people just didn't get, just didn't understand it because it was for kids and the people who didn't understand it were adults. Of course, you didn't get it when you were an adult because it wasn't for you. To this day, it saddens me that, and, and angers me, but I'm, I'm trying not to get angry because this is in the past, but people who had such misplaced expectations for what it should have been chose to be so angry and loud about it and, and squashed the enthusiasm of so many fans who enjoyed it because they thought their opinions were more important. And people who criticized the prequels, or criticized the prequels at least back then, people who criticize the sequel trilogy now, so many of them get so angry about it. And it. It's movies. Why are you getting so angry about movies? Um, today, th they think their opinions are more important. You're not allowed to like it because it sucks. They think they know better than the people in charge at Lucasfilm, people who make movies, who have made movies for years, who know how to write movies and make movies and make good ones, who produce Oscar-winning films, who produce... Most of the block, but many of the blockbusters that we've seen throughout the 80s and 90s and Kathleen Kennedy, these people think you're stupid if you disagree, and they try to ruin the experience for people who are actually fans. They will go into a theater and shout out during The Force Awakens, Han Solo dies. They're not fans. Someone who tries to ruin something for you, they're not fans. So we'll come back to that later. And I will never understand fans of... Star Wars or science fiction in general who, who just want to pick apart every last nuance of something that doesn't meet their arbitrary standard because they take it so seriously until they're left with just an angry, joyless existence in their pathetic little echo chamber. It can't be fun to be these fan menace people. It can't be fun because they're so busy trying to ruin stuff for other people because they're so empty. They're so empty inside because they're so unfulfilled because they decide that this needs to fulfill me and it didn't work for me, so now I must destroy it. Loving Star Wars, and I mean loving Star Wars, not appreciating Star Wars, not eh, like Star Wars, but loving it, means loving all of it, however it comes to you. And it doesn't mean you absolutely think everything is perfect. But you don't actively rail against things that didn't meet your expectations. You don't have to love every comic book or every toy or every movie. But you don't attack it or the creators or the fans. Look, George Lucas sold the company. He sold the intellectual property. It doesn't belong to him anymore. And it doesn't belong to you. And it doesn't belong to me as far as an ownership standpoint. So guess what? 
George isn't coming back. If you are one of these fandom menace people, you're not going to change anybody's mind and you're not going to change the progress of anything. You're not going to change what it is now or what it has become. And so the only option you're left with is either accepting it or moving on with your life. But see, they don't want to move on with their lives. I, I, it would take a psychologist <laughs> to, to explain why. Um, but one of the things that they exhibit, these people, is an inability to look at facts. Consider the perception that somehow Ryan Johnson intentionally tried to ruin Star Wars on purpose. The fact is there are few bigger fans of Star Wars than Ryan Johnson. This is a man photographed singing Weird Al's The Saga Begins at a convention a few weeks ago. I mean, he was given an ATAT walker in a box during an interview and his eyes just lit up. I mean, the man loves Star Wars. Why would he set out to ruin it? Why, why would anyone want to ruin it? I mean, Disney and Lucasfilm have a desire to make money. They're not going to ruin it. Or let's say somehow that, you know, that Ryan Johnson went against what J.J. Abrams had planned and Abrams somehow has to come in and fix what Ryan Johnson broke. Well, in actuality, in 2015, this is what J.J. Uh, Abrams was quoted as saying. This was an interview, I think, was it an Esquire or Empire? Or I'm not sure which one it was, but... The quote is that Ryan asked for a couple of things here and there that he needs for his story. He is an incredibly accomplished filmmaker and an incredibly strong writer. So the story he told took what we were doing and went in the direction that he felt was best, but that is very much in line with what we were thinking as well. But you're right, that will be his movie. He's going to do it in the way he sees fit. He's neither asking for nor does he need me to oversee the process. It was very much in line with what they were thinking as well. That's a fact. Now, it doesn't matter what J.J. Abrams says because these people will just say he was lying. It's very convenient that they can just disregard any factual information just because they think, oh, well, they must be lying because my narrative is the correct one. But see, it's not about Star Wars. Not really. Look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do you think it mattered that Brie Larson played Captain Marvel? It doesn't matter who played Captain Marvel. Sure, she fought back in her own way against the trolls, and let's be honest, she did give them some fuel. Um, but it wasn't about Brie Larson specifically. It didn't start there. It was about a female-led superhero film, and not only that, but a hero that supposedly should not have been as powerful or as important or more important, let's say, more influential than Iron Man or Captain America. You know, this was the big good guy to come in and help defeat Thanos finally. You know, it was the fact that it wasn't Cap and it wasn't Iron Man. It was, it was someone who's considered a, a fringe character, I guess. But it, it could have been Halle Berry. It could have been Jennifer Lawrence for all that mattered. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not about Brie Larson. Another great example is the upcoming Thor movie. You know, I don't read Marvel comics, and yet even I know that Jane Foster takes on the mantle of Thor in the comics. These people ranting and raving about the next Thor movie aren't actual Marvel Comics fans because they don't care about adapting the source material. It's all about the gender swap. It's not really about the characters. It's not really about the actors. It's about them and their politics. It's all about politics. See, in 
in Rush Limbaugh's conservative Republican world, an audience which I was deeply steeped for many years, and I share a lot of similar viewpoints. You know, I, I am a conservative. But there has long been this cautionary tale about the establishment that wants to force things to meet a certain standard rather than letting society evolve organically. Um, for instance, affirmative action says that minorities can't get ahead on their own, so we have to rig the game to balance the scales because we see a need for balance and we, we choose to artificially force it to happen. Um, Feminism says that women are being held back by the patriarchy, so we have to use government to force corporations to hire more women to higher-paying roles. The reactionary mindset of these folks says that minorities are trying to tear down the majority to get what they want, when that's not really what's happening. There's an injustice, there's an inequality, and we're trying to use government to improve things. It's, it's why you know children aren't working in factories anymore. Uh, it's why women are allowed to vote. Um, you know, it's it's why we didn't have alcohol and then we did again. <laughs> because we, we are always using government to resolve societal problems. And sometimes we overreach, but that's, you know, it's not perfect. So so there's this idea that that women are trying to tear down men, and specifically now we're trying to tear down white men to get what they want, and there's a blowback against that perception, whether or not the perception is true. Now, to look at some of the rhetoric, not all, but some coming from minority defense groups or feminist groups or LGBTQ organizations and their supporters, some of it looks like you know you'd have to be blind not to see that there's some element of truth to some of the perception. There are some people out there very angry speaking in such a way to get across the idea that uh, it's all about the fact that you're male and white. Um, there are people acting in good faith and bad faith on both sides of any given issue. Often an attempt at trying to promote the minority is seen as an attempt to do so at the denigration of the majority. When someone says we don't need any more straight white male heroes, there are straight white males who ask, what, what did I do wrong? Did, you know, sometimes the rhetoric seems to suggest that just by being straight, white, and male, some crime has been committed. And there are people who on the left who, who don't understand that, who don't see that that's what some of these words are, are telling people like me. Um, they seem to think that the fact that I'm, I, I have straight, white, male privilege, um, that it insulates me from any feeling of persecution and and i get it you know i can see through the rhetoric to the cause of the root cause of the issue and i think a lot of the people that are as loud and negative as they are are more of the bad actors on either side you know it's just like the fandom menace the loudest most negative voices are the ones that are on the fringe um so you know the atmosphere is understandably emotionally charged and you have to get past the emotion you have to see through the emotion the fact is that politics has been raised to such an important level that it never should have possessed in our society. The over-reliance on government and our elected officials to do something about our problems, no matter what your leanings, has caused regular people to feel that someone on the other side wants power and authority over us. But again, government does good things. They I mean civil rights. We don't have to drink from separate water fountains because people use the engine of government to do the right thing. And so there are opportunities to use the engine of government to improve things. 
but so often government is misused. Again, there, there's emotion all over it. So therefore, any sociopolitical difference that you have with someone is amplified to the point that we think that that person is our enemy because they want control over us, when it's just not the case. I mean, this is why Twitter threads and YouTube comments and erupt into the most vile personal attacks because of perception, because we think that person wants to use government to attack us. And it's just, it's just not the way it is. So therefore, <clears throat> a storyteller wanting to tell a story about a woman is automatically seen by some as injecting politics into the story, whether that political statement is explicit in the text of the story or not. Captain Marvel makes zero statements about women in society, except the example set that regular women are capable of extraordinary things, but so are regular men. There is no denigration of men except for one jerk on a motorcycle explicit in the film. The story is about coming to grips with one's past, overcoming adversity, and doing the right thing. I mean, the leader of the, 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 the Ben Mendelsohn character, I forget who these people are, the Cree, not the Cree, the other, the other ones. He's male, you know, so it's about doing the right thing. It, it, but because of politics, a whole subgroup of people entirely missed the point. Now, I see people saying, like, the new Star Wars films are too interested in making political statements. And it's total BS. Absolute bullcrap. There are very few actual political statements made in the films. And perhaps the most explicit is a droid fighting for droid rights for the comic effect. We're not actually looking to give rights to robots. I mean, we're not, this is not what we're talking, maybe someday in the future, but right now we're not talking about actually giving rights to actual robots. It's an in-universe parallel to some of the stuff that we're dealing with now. And that, and people object to that because, oh, I see the parallel, mm, politics, blah, in my story. It was funny. The droid was hilarious. I mean, a, a droid revolution at a, at, a, at a spice mine? I mean, come on. It was funny. And yes, poignant, but funny. Uh, or let's take let's take Rose in the Last Jedi. The only, literally, the only political statement, the in-universe political statement made is, "Oh, these people got rich selling weapons to the First Order, and there's oppression in the galaxy." There was oppression in the galaxy in the original Star Wars. I mean, come on, people were being oppressed by the Galactic Empire. Now people are being oppressed by the First Order, and you see it. Okay, it happened. Um, we see, you know, they're zapping the, the animals and they're hitting the kids. I mean, you're bad guys, okay? We're, they're bad guys. And so the idea is, oh, well, they're preaching against war profiteering because they think George Bush is a war criminal and blah, blah, blah. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, in fact, Benicio Del Toro's character comes along and says, hey, look, Finn, they're selling weapons to the First Order, selling them to the bad and the good. You know, we, we get the dichotomy there um, that, that and, and you can call it an anti-war message. I mean, who wouldn't be against sending people to kill? I mean, it, you know, this, I, I struggle with this very much, but we, we live in a, in a warrior society. We live in a uh, society that, that, you know, has this image of the noble warrior. And when the warriors are used for noble causes, it's good. Look at World War II. Look at things that we have done, uh, action that we have gone to, to 
free someone from someone from another from an oppressor. I mean, there have been legitimate reasons for our military to go to war, and then there are plenty more illegitimate reasons to send somebody to shoot somebody else. Now, whether you like that or not, whether you think that's political, I don't. I don't care. Uh, we shouldn't. We shouldn't be worshiping death so much. Um, but anyway, that, that's that's the bulk of the political statement. Uh, I'm the character of Admiral Holdo. It's not changed in any way if it was instead a, a, a male senior officer who was not somehow friends with Poe. Um, if it was the Admiral in Top Gun who dresses down Maverick, nobody bats an eye. But the, the only political statements being made are by troglodytes who happen to have political disagreements with the actress who plays her outside of the text of the film. There are no statements in the story. It's not, I'm a woman in command and women are allowed to command and blah, blah, blah. None of that. It's literally, it's, it's, it's the relationship there is all textual with the film, with the character interactions. I mean, if it was Akbar and Akbar knows Poe and, and Akbar does give the plan to Poe, oh, well, there's no conflict there. There's no story there. But the fact that Akbar flies out the window and you have somebody who doesn't know Poe as well, it, it, it makes perfect sense. But again, it's about political disagreements outside of the text of the story. And for some reason, they want to completely miss the political statements George Lucas was making with his original trilogy or with the prequel trilogy. You know, Princess Leia, the leader of the rebellion in the 70s. I mean, do you not know? I mean, think about it. So why, why are they not seeing George Lucas' political statements? Because it's not about Star Wars. It's not about thinking that George Lucas would have done a better job. It's not about a love for Star Wars, but rather a reaction to the culture around them and this politically charged atmosphere. It's, it's so politically charged that they think everything is an answer to everything else on political lines. Like, it's totally inescapable. I'll give you this, this quote from a, from a YouTube comment this person says, and honestly, it's, it's hard not to, to laugh at this because it's just so ridiculous. It says, I will accept nothing short of the decanonization of the sequel trilogy. I don't care that the classic actors were paid to appear in them and the films contain Carrie Fisher's last performances. That's Disney's fault, and I will never forgive them for this utter travesty. Star Wars can only survive if the tumor is cut out ASAP. It will forever be scarred, but it can still be loved and appreciated by generations to come. Yeah, it still can. Uh, duh. Hello. And then later, there's an edit. <laughs> Additionally... All the woke garbage needs to go. Star Wars is no place for projecting modern political issues. Bro, I'm assuming you're a guy, but science fiction and fantasy is all about projecting modern issues in a, in a, in a setting separated from your modern issues. Fairy tales. Aesop's fables. I mean, it's all about, all of fiction is about projecting your modern issues, whether they're political or not. I, I, I digress. It may sound shallow and vain. Yes, it does. But I will honestly never put my trust back in Lucasfilm unless they prove they're through with all the PCSJW cancer. They can prove this by deliberately breaking away from PC norms. 
This is where it gets ridiculous. For instance, they can include some sexualized female characters again. Parenthesis, I don't say males because that isn't deemed as problematic. End parenthesis. Or display some of the brutality we've grown accustomed to in classic Star Wars, like dismemberment and disturbing imagery. <laughs> oh. First of all, there's so many assumptions here and, and, and arrogance. First of all, it's not about what you will accept. It's not about what you care about. Oh, I need to plug my computer in. Uh, it's unplugging. All right, so... um, It's not about what you care about. It's not about whether you forgive anyone for anything that's not uh, a problem. Um, Star Wars is movies. It doesn't need to survive. It's not... It's not like a country. It's not like a... Like an organization. Um... It can be loved and appreciated by generations to come, and it is being loved and appreciated. And the things that you don't love, well, that bothers you. That other people would love it. Um, and the rest of it is just, just stupidity. Um, disturbing imagery. Let's count all the disturbing imagery. Um, Owen and Baru and Anakin. Uh, burning and or having burned. Um, a few. A hand here. A hand there, and a and an arm in a cantina. That's it. The brutality and dismemberment, or the dismemberment and disturbing imagery. The brutality you're accustomed to. Really. So. The only cancer, the only tumor in fandom is that person, and people like him. Um, and and honestly, this person behind a keyboard would not say these things to the face of Kathleen Kennedy, to Dave Filoni, to, to people who are actually in charge, to Ryan Johnson. They wouldn't say this. You know why? Because they would temper it with politeness and common decency. Most of them would. But because it's on the internet, because it's got the anonymity, we'll just bl you know, blurt out any emotional garbage that we're feeling without, without filtering. And, and so, look, guy. <clears throat> Can I just call you guy? George Lucas buys in 100% to the arguments for equality of gender, race, and orientation. He is right along line, right, right along, right, uh, he is right, uh, right in line with Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy and anyone else that you want to complain about as far as politics. He's been politically opposed to the Republican Party since Barry Goldwater was running for president. Who took charge in the rebellion in Star Wars? Leia, who took charge of the liberation of Naboo, Padme, who led the rebels in Return of the Jedi, a lady named Mon Mothma, who led the fight against the creation of the clone army, Padme again. George has always promoted strong, independent women in Star Wars. It's always there. This is not anything new. And no one, again, in the text of the film is saying anything about this woman should be there. This is a woman. She is a woman. We all see that she is a woman, and a woman is in charge, right? We all see this. This is good. And there's no preaching. There's no, there's no moralizing there. The Empire was practically a one-to-one -one criticism of the imperialistic tendencies of the United States. And the Emperor was Richard Nixon. The Galactic Civil War was Vietnam, a war based on false pretense. False pretense. Pre False pretenses. They deliberately ignore these easily proven facts 
And what's more, George was never about the sexualization of characters or brutality. The idea of limb dismemberment was very specific storytelling device um, with regard to losing one's humanity. And, and the bikini thing was taking a trope of the pulp serials, the damsel in distress, and turning it upside, upside down on its head. Once again, Leia took charge of her own escape. She wasn't the damsel in distress. She, it was part of the plan. These people who claim to be Star Wars fans, who derided George Lucas incessantly for the prequels, who begged for his return after the sale to Disney, they aren't Star Wars fans any more than they are Marvel fans or any other genre franchise. These are mostly adult men, sometimes adult women, who, when faced with any challenge to their expectations or a film they might actually have to think about for a while, instead throw tantrums for attention. They are cancerous leeches who deserve to be ignored. And I'm talking about the Mike Zeros of the world. I'm talking about the G&Gs of the world. I cannot say this any more strongly. Again, I do not mean the, these people or you who wish to debate the merits of the films honestly. If you have criticisms of the sequel films, then you should also have an honest assessment of the weaknesses of the original films. But I watched some of you on Twitter and Facebook, and many of you are too easily drawn into rhetorical fights with people who don't actually love Star Wars. They're not fans. Simply block them. Ignore them. Do not retweet them. Do not screen capture them. Click not interested on your YouTube feed. Let them go of the way of the 40-plus-year-old prequel haters who think George Lucas ruined their childhoods. All they want is attention, and you're giving it to them. Stop it. Again, these are not actual fans. Maybe some of them used to be. There are some actual fans who have been led astray by the geeks and gamers of the world, by the Mike Zeros of the world, by the red-letter medias of the world. They've been led down the negative path to the dark side, and they've forgotten what it meant to be a fan. They think Star Wars exists to confirm their own preconceptions and is not an evolving story. These are not, by and large, people who go to Star Wars Celebration or host a Star Wars podcast or interact with real, actual, positive fans of the saga. These are people who hide behind their keyboards or their YouTube channels trying to get a rise out of you for views, clicks, and likes and retweets. They are perpetuating negativity to support their own ill-gotten fame. Why do you help them? Honest question. Why help them? Why give it to them? If we spend more time promoting the positive voices in fandom, encourage good faith debates, and ignore the negative ones, the fan experience will be a much more positive one. And isn't that what we all want? Don't we all want to have a more positive fan experience? I mean, I sure do. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but that's what I want. And um, <clears throat> that is the end of my rant, <laughs> as it were. Uh, I hope I didn't get too loud on the microphone there, but I did get a little impassioned as I was speaking. And again, I hope this all makes sense. You know that there are people who are legitimately fans who have been, they see something, they didn't like it, they reacted poorly, and then they go on YouTube and they have six or seven different YouTube videos that just feed back into their own negativity, completely ignoring any positive angle there might be. And, you know, it gets to the point where it's so bad that you don't even see the good anymore. And I used to be there, I, especially on the prequels. I was there. 
when I watched the Red Letter Media video on, I think I watched them all on all the prequels, maybe just the Phantom Menace. I don't know. It was so bad. But it was funny. There was stuff in there that was funny, and it's all comedy. But when you take something that's intended for comedy and you treat that as legitimate film analysis, it's going to screw you up. I mean, it, I liked Jar Jar so much, and I got so much blowback from people who thought it was stupid, who just used it as a punchline. Um, it just it, it, it gets to you after a while. You know, it just became such an easy target, low-hanging fruit. Oh, let's mention Jar Jar Binks. Ha ha, Star Wars, they have Jar Jar. <laughs> and and it, it, <laughs> it robs you of your joy, honestly, when you listen to it. And so not only ignore it, but stop listening to it. Stop hearing it. Stop letting it into your life. It's not worth it. I mean, the only way we're going to clean up the... The only way we're going to clean up around fandom is just by marginalizing these people who don't speak for us. These people who just want the attention, that's all they're doing it for. Stop giving it to them. And again, you, you, you can cover up their profile picture with a clown face, and you can blot out their profile name, but you're still screen capturing them. You're still giving them attention. You are still giving them life. And it's just not worth it. We've got to stop. We've got to stop if you want to prove the fandom experience. And we take it from a guy who's who's been around a while. Some of you guys are, you know, millennials or whatever, whatever the term is. Uh, you, you young people in your 20s and your 30s and your teen ages, you know, it's, <clears throat> I've seen it all come and go. And it's just not worth letting them claw their way into your life. They're just, they're just hanging on to you for the attention. But there it is. Yeah, so as it fades in, that's I'm still getting used to doing this. It's a new process for me. So anyway, I do very much hope that you'll get in touch with me. Uh, again, we podcasters live for feedback, so send it in. You've been listening to The Adventures of Indiana Jim, a production of Visionary Creative Works. Call the voicemail line at 760-705-INDIE. That's 760-705-4639. Send your emails or MP3 comments to indianajimpodcasts at gmail.com. Follow Indie on Twitter at indianajim. Visit adventuresofindianajim.net for more information and audio content. This is J.R. Murdoch on Twitter at J.R. Murdoch and at jrmurdoch.com.